the Lord. God, thank you so much that you have defeated death. God, that we have new life in your spirit through your son, Jesus. Thank you for being here this morning, for being in this place. Spirit, continue to move through us through your word. God, open our hearts, open our minds to receive it. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, Exodus chapter 5, obedience or bust? Obedience or bust? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah? No? Yes? Okay. Great weather. How about them dogs? How about them lady bulldogs? Okay. Y'all do realize that a graduate from the University of Mississippi just said that, right? Hey, I'm so proud, seriously, proud of what's going to happen tonight. James Reardon is preaching tonight, so if you guys want to be blessed, uh, come, come hear him teach the Word of God. James will not go long because he knows some of you want to go watch the second half of the Mississippi State game tonight. So those of you that are thinking, what is Brett talking about? Uh, the ladies basketball team, Mississippi State, is in the national championship tonight. So that's exciting, especially for the Bulldog folks. And I'm excited about it as well. Exodus chapter 5. We've been going through the book of Exodus and last week we talked about that God is able. He is able to do anything he wants to do whenever he wants. And so this morning we're talking about obedience. Exodus chapter 5. We're also going to be in the first part of chapter 6. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to read verse 1 all the way through the end of chapter 5. Do you guys think we can do that together? Yeah, we can. Okay. So please stand in honor of reading God's word, Exodus chapter 5. Verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went out, went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. 
Please let us go, to, go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks your daily task each day. Verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. You may be seated. Obedience is the key. It's the formula. It's the secret formula to a self-satisfying, content life in Christ. Obedience is crucial to walking with God. Feel free to use the listening guide on the back of your bulletin if you'd like. Obedience leads us to the impossible. Has that ever happened to someone? That the Lord led you down a road that did not make sense. That you thought, God, how can this be your plan? How can this make sense? Moses and Aaron found themselves there. Now keep in mind, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron, his brother, was older than Moses. And if you take two guys uh, apart uh, when they're away from their wives, two 80-year-olds, men, and they are alone in the city, you better look out. They can get into a lot of trouble. 
And so there Moses and Aaron found themselves in the city of Pharaoh, walking to the court to meet with the most powerful man on the earth at that time. And there were, just imagine, so put yourself there in Egypt. They're walking down the street. There's probably street vendors. Uh, someone's probably making corn dogs on the side or something. Someone uh, is probably playing music for a tip. Someone's there asking for money. Uh, maybe there's a lot of business happening. and they're, they're walking down the street. What do you think Moses was thinking? What do you think Aaron was thinking? I would imagine that there was sweat beating up on Moses' neck. Imagining that as he gets to Pharaoh, what he had to share, he very well could lose his life. Or, or Aaron. What was Aaron thinking? Man, I sure hope Moses heard from God. I sure hope Moses knows what he's doing. God, I've been asking for a rescue. Maybe you're going to just take me to heaven now. You know, those guys, here they were. And they get to the, the court. They get to Pharaoh's court in the palace. And they walk in. And you don't just go before Pharaoh. And so this was a special moment. And they walk in the court, and they see there were paintings of all the gods in Egypt, over 2,000 known gods that they worshipped. And they, they had these, these paintings on the wall and even on the ceiling of all of the gods of Egypt and how powerful they are and how wonderful they are. And then they walk before Pharaoh. And look what happens. They said, Thus says the Lord, See, capital L-O-R-D. The God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Wow. So obedience leads us to the impossible. Imagine being Jonah, and, and God says, go to the Ninevites and, and tell them to repent. That seemed like an impossible task for Jonah. And what happened? They repented. What about Queen Esther? When God sent her before the king on behalf of her people, that seemed like an impossible task. The Lord has a history in the Old Testament, New Testament, and today of asking his people to do impossible things so that he can intervene and so that he gets the glory. One of my heroes, Dr. Bob Pierce, he was an evangelist throughout the 30s and 40s and 50s, and then he started World Vision. Anyone ever heard of World Vision before? And then the board of directors uh, began to tell Dr. Bob he wanted to, to purchase a motorcycle for, for a pastor in the middle of nowhere in Southeast Asia, and the board of directors said, well, we just can't do that because of yada, yada, yada. And so Dr. Bob said, guys, you can have it. I'm going to go start something else. So he went and he started this little organization called Samaritan's Purse. Anyone ever heard of that? Okay. And then he began to uh, just do all kind of gospel ministry all over the world, and God blessed it. Dr. Bob, when he was going to do something, no matter how large or how small, he would always leave a little bit of God room. He called it God room. 
And he, he would say to his team, which was hundreds of people, when they carried out a mission, when they were going to have a, a crusade, or they were going to feed thousands of people, or they, gonna, they were going to put a hospital in the middle of a war zone, he would say, guys, always leave a little God room every time. Now, why did Dr. Bob do that? So that after it was done, after the event was over, they could look back and say, only God could have done that. So he would get all the glory. And time after time after time, they would leave a little God room, and the Lord would show up, and the Lord would show out. He'd be faithful to, to answer their prayers. So if you're Christianity this morning, hear me, church, if it, if it always leads you to be logical and to always pursue the possible, then you may want to take that version of that, that version of Christianity back to the cookie-cutter uh, Christianity factory that you got it from because it's not any good. It's not true biblical Christianity. Next, we see that people will not understand the Lord's ways unless they know the Lord. What is Pharaoh? How does he respond? Verse 2, But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. You can't fault Pharaoh for being honest. He said, I don't know the Lord. I am a God. Pharaoh thought he was one of the 2,000 gods, and he represented Satan. He had a gold crown with a snake, a cobra's head. He had a gold clothing. And he says, I do not know the Lord. So people will not understand the Lord's ways unless they know the Lord. How many times has God called people to do something, and people in the world that do not know Christ say, you're doing what? That doesn't make any sense. Your children are going overseas? Why? Did they lose something over there? Or, uh, or what about this? Your family's going to move from uh, one town in Mississippi to another town? Why? It, it always has to make sense in our culture, right? We always think, well, it must be more money or it must be a better situation. No. How about we ask the Lord where we should move and raise our family? How about we check with God what he wants us to do with our lives? So people, when you follow the Lord, people are not going to always understand it. And so we shouldn't expect them to, right? If Pharaoh would have known the Lord, he would have never put up a fight. He would have just said, okay. Take the people and go. But Pharaoh did not know the Lord. How many people in our culture, they don't know Christ, they don't know the Lord. Jesus was being crucified on the cross, and what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They don't know. God understands that. Next, we see that obedience unlocks the mystery of God's plan. Obedience unlocks the mystery of God's plan. Sometimes we have to get out of the boat if we're going to walk on water. Sometimes we have to pursue and, and to be obedient to what God's, God is leading us to do in order to understand the mystery of God's plan. I'm pretty sure that my wife, when she felt led of God to say, yes, I'm going to go out with you on a date. I was like, yes. But she, 
I guarantee you she probably thought, you know, why would a lady like me go out with a guy like this? And hopefully, uh, you know, over time, God began to reveal the plan to her, and she started putting two and two together and said, okay, maybe God's in this. Maybe this does make sense. And I'm so grateful. The Lord hooked me up, guys. I'm telling you. He hooked me up. (laughs) He that finds a wife finds a good thing. That's in the Word of God. You can look it up. Next we see that hardships and social abandonment can lead us to forget God's Word. Did you know that? How many times does the road get bumpy and you say, man... You really, honestly, a lot of times we just throw God's word out the window. You say, I really don't care what God has said about this. I really don't care what God has spoken because this is my situation. And Those are the times when we need God's word the most. It's not when it gets bumpy, we just forget what God has said. It's during the valley that we remember that God is faithful, that we remember what God has clearly said. And so when the day gets hard, that's when we need community. That's when we need believers that love the Lord. And so Moses, guess what he started doing? So you see in chapter 5 uh, what happens about the, the bricks, making, they're making bricks without straw and all these things. And then towards the end of the chapter, Moses starts complaining to God. It says he turned to the Lord. And he said, oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Man, Moses, how bold was he? Moses says, God, why did you send me? Lord, why would you? God, this is a bad idea. I told you, Lord, this was a bad idea. Moses is arrogant. He begins to claim that he knows more than God. Moses started to listen to the haters. Moses started to listen to the people that did not have faith in the Lord. Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. It's true that it's, even since the Old Testament, oh my goodness, <laughs> guys. Uh, anyways, your past will find you out. <laughs> We're gonna have a meeting right after the service. But Moses began to listen to those voices. Sorry, I'm distracted by this. <laughs> That was super summer camp, guys. That was a Christian camp that we had to dress up for, so just in case. I promise. Moses began to listen to people say, oh, we can't do that. How many times do we, in our family or at work or in the church, we said, oh, we we can't do that? Really? Really? When the world sees obstacles, God's people should see opportunity. When, when, when the people say, oh, we can't do that. I mean, if the Lord is with us, yes, we can do anything that he calls us to do. Oh, no, we can't do that. We all need to be in a small group. Every single person in our church needs to be in a small group. If you don't like any of the ones that we have available, we're going to start some new ones. But at the end of the day, we're not Burger King, and we can't just have it your way. But we we do want to provide some healthy, many options for you to be able to get plugged in into a small group. 
We all need encouragement, right? There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. I hear people, you know, say, well, I just, I watch church at home at my house. Well, that's great. There's people this morning doing that. And if that's what they think they need to do, but I would argue that you need community. You need to be around people that love the Lord. And in those communities, in those small groups, there needs to be honesty. There needs to be letting down walls and saying, look, guys, work was really tough this week. Can you guys pray for me? We need that in our life. Moses had been so far out in the middle of nowhere that he didn't have enough godly brothers around him. And he was counting on the elders of Israel to support him. That's why God sent him to those guys. God gave those guys an opportunity, and then they discouraged him. They did the opposite of what they were supposed to do. Next, we see that God promises deliverance. God promises deliverance. Look in chapter 6. We're going to read the first 13 verses, and then we'll stop. We're not going to read the genealogies. We could, and there's great truth in those. I'll talk about those in a second. Verse 1, chapter 6, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. And I remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I'll bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from the, under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God promises deliverance. We see first that God is able to deliver because he is. Because he is. Look at verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. That should have been all that Moses needed to hear. That he is, that God is the Lord. We, we saw a few weeks ago that the great I am, he was, he is, and he will always be. He is the all-time-encompassing God. He is the all-present, all-powerful God. Look at verse 6. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. 
So in verse 2 and in verse 6, verse 2 is for Moses and verse 6 is for the people. I am the Lord. Moses, that's, that's the first thing you need to realize, that I am the Lord. So God is able to deliver because he is. There's, there's nothing too hard or too difficult for God. Next we see that God takes it personal when his children suffer. Notice the personal nature of, of verse 5. It says, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. You see that? I have heard. Look at the rest of the verse 5. And I have remembered. I have remembered my covenant. You see the personal nature? When someone messes with God's people, they're messing with the Lord. When, what a privilege to know that if, if something happens to us, small and big, that God is concerned about it. And he, he takes it very personal. How many moms in the crowd, if someone messes with, with your baby, you better look out, right? Mama bear is going to come out. And, and that's, how, that's how God is. When, he, when, when someone abuses his children, when someone uh, brings harm to them, the Lord takes it personal. The Lord takes it personal. So in other words, if you mess with the Lord or his people, he can take you out. And he has a history of occasionally doing that. How does that make you feel this morning? To know that when God's people are oppressed, that God takes it personal. When someone tries to keep you down, God takes it personal. When someone tries to harm God's people, he takes it personal. What a privilege that we have a dad that has everything, and none of us can give him something that he doesn't already have, except for ourselves. And even then, he, ha he owns us as well. But what a privilege that, that, that he cares about us. Next, we see the seven I wills of redemption. The seven I wills of redemption. Now, this is the seven I wills of redemption for the Israelites, but I think there's a lot of parallels to us as New Testament believers, right? There's a lot of things that we have in common with the Israelites. How many of you have been, been in Egypt before, spiritually speaking, right? You've been there in chains, in slavery. You're trying to do everything you can do to, to find the promised land, to find the Lord, and you can't do it on your own. That's us. So number one, you see here in chapter 6, the Lord says that, verse 6, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So see, I will bring you out from the burden. Many people could say this morning that God has brought you out from the burden of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul talks about sin. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. God makes a way out. He gives us a way out every time. Number two, God says here in chapter 6 that I will deliver you out of bondage. See that in verse 6? I will deliver you from slavery. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. We just sang about that. 
and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected were subject to lifelong slavery. So God, through his death, purchased freedom for all who will believe. Next we see here in the Old Testament, chapter 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. You see that in verse 6? I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. That phrase, outstretched arm, is all through the Old Testament. You see it all through the Psalms. It's many places. It's the hand of the Lord. Psalm 89, verse 21 says that my hand is with those who, my hand will establish my people and my arm will also strengthen them. His arm will strengthen you on the day when you, when you have no more strength, the Lord will strengthen you. Next we see God say, I will take you, verse 7, I will take you to be my people. You see that? I will take you to be my people. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 22 says, So you will be my people, and I will be your God. That's what God wants today. That's why we're here, because we are God's people, and he wants to be our God. He wants to take care of us. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to to walk with us, have a relationship with us. Next we see, he, he says, I will be your God. That's what he wanted to be to the Israelite people. I will be your God. Talking about heaven, God gave John a vision in Revelation chapter 21. Listen to it. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. There will be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things have passed away. God wants to be our God now and forever. God wants to be our God for all eternity. Next we see the Lord say in Exodus chapter 6 that I will bring you into the land. I will bring you into the land. A few verses later in chapter 21, John writes, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. God tells Israelites, I will bring you into the land. Many people here this morning can say, I know where I was when God gave me a word about the place he wanted me to to raise my family, or God gave me a word to to buy this house, or to, to rent this apartment, or to rent a house, or to to whatever. Many people can testify and say that the Lord gave them a place. Well, God also, he wants to bring us into a land and ultimately to heaven, to a land flowing with milk and honey like we've never seen before. Lastly, here we see, I will give it to you for a possession. He tells the Israelites, I'm going to give you the holy land. I am going to give you this land. There's many scholars, including inside of the our denomination that believe in a, a replacement theology, and there may be many people here this morning that believe that like that. I do not. The people believe, perhaps many of our members, that, that the church is the new Israel. And certainly we are grafted in. We are grafted into that. But when God made his, his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, he made a promise to the Jewish people. And he gave them the land in Israel. He gave them the Holy Land. 
And if we go against the Lord, I mean, we're not going to win. I believe that promise lasts till today. You say, well, Brett, I've been to Israel, and, and there are really not that many believers there. Well, I have too. And I'm telling you, there are believers there. There's a remnant of God's people still, Jewish people in Israel, that are worshiping today, worshiping the God of Israel through the power of Christ. That's exciting. I will give it to you for a possession. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 says, I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Talking about Jesus. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Okay, I will give it to you for a possession. I need some guys to help me do an illustration. So Ethan, I ask you to come on up here. And then Sam, I ask you to come up here. Gentlemen, please. Now these are going to be my helpers here. Okay? Those are some cool shorts. Okay. Come on, Sam. All right, I need you guys to tell, tell everyone your name. Ethan. What's your last name? Ward. Okay. Sam Favre. Okay. Who's your mom and dad? Mar and Jenny. Who? Mart and Jenny. Mart and Jenny, okay. Shannon and Trent. Okay, Shannon and Trent. All right, where are you going to eat lunch today? Do you know? No. No? Do you know what your plans are for lunch? No. Okay, Dad's going to take care of it though, right? Okay. All right. Um, Ethan, after you eat lunch today, where are you going to go after that? Home. Home? Yeah. Whose house? Mine. Did you hear that? His house. Okay, where are you going to go after you eat lunch? Um, my house. Your house? Okay. All right. Do you have a refrigerator at your house? Yes. You do? You have a refrigerator? Okay. Do you have a refrigerator? Yes. Okay. Do you have a couch? Yes. Okay. Very nice. Do you have a kitchen table with chairs? Yes. You do? Uh, do you have a room at your house? Yes. Really? Okay. Do you have a room at your house? Yes. Man, you guys are living large. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have a bed? Yeah. That's nice. Do you have a bed? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, do you have a chair? Anywhere in your house? Yes, sir. Really? Do you have a chair in the living room? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have a chair? Yeah. Okay. Do you have air conditioning? Yes. Do you have a car? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Do you have a car? No. No. Okay. Good, good answer. Here's the deal. I didn't ask these guys what I was, the questions I was going to ask them. But they just assumed that today, whenever, after they eat lunch, they're going to go to their house. Do you have a job? No. Do you have a job? No. Okay, how much money do you make every week? I don't know. Okay. Um, how much money do you make every week? Um, none. Okay. But, but you have a house? Yes. Really? Okay. But you have a house? Yeah. Okay. Give these guys a, a big hand. You guys can be seated. Church, here's the point. These guys just assume that they have a house and that they have a room and that they have a couch and they have a refrigerator and that they believe that that food in their refrigerator is theirs. Why? Because it's their mom and dad's. And that's when God says, I will give it to you for a possession. He's telling his people that he's giving us everything that he has.
What a privilege to know that, that our Father, our, our personal Abba Father, He owns the bank. He, he has all things. He, he, he owns the stars. He names them one by one. And we are His children. What a privilege that we, that, that our dad, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the, the potatoes underneath those hills. He owns the, the worms underneath the potatoes. What a privilege. Here's the bottom line. God charged Moses and Aaron to go and tell. And then he gave a charge to the Israelites to trust, wait, and to obey. And that is the whole point of the text that we have read. And this morning, are you obedient right now in your walk with God? Are you, are you walking in obedience, or at least trying to? Is that you? Can you say that this morning? I would argue that the point of life, the purpose of life, is to know the Lord and to make Him known. That's the purpose, to bring Him glory. And so if you're not doing that, if you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not living for the glory of God, then guess what? Your life is really being wasted. Your, your life is uh, it's so sad that, that you're not being a part of his plan, his, his plan of having a relationship with you. And so right now you have an opportunity to re- repent, to say, God, I, I'm not a part of your plan. I'm living for my plan. I'm living for what I can get out of life. And maybe you need to just come and, and, and lay it down right here and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry, God, that I, am, that I have clearly violated your, your law. And God, I want you to forgive me. God, I want you to break these shackles on my life. Maybe that's what you need to pray this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and you've been so indoctrinated with religion, with knowing so much about the Bible, but yet you do not know God at all. This morning, maybe you just need to say, Lord, I, I thought I knew, but I realized this morning that I really do not have a relationship with you. Maybe you need to say, God, this morning I admit that if I were to die today, I'd probably split hell wide open. This morning, we don't want that to happen. We want you to be restored in your relationship with God. But here's what has to happen. Our pride has got to melt away, and only God can do that. Many of us, we are more concerned what everybody else thinks about us more than what God thinks about us. What a, what a tragedy. He is the king of all kings. He owns all things. He is the Lord. He is slow to anger. He's full of compassion. He will take you today if you come. Maybe this morning you're a believer and you know the Lord And you know it's by his grace that you've been saved and set free. And everything you have in your life is by God's grace, and you know that. But maybe the Lord is leading you down a road. Uh, Maybe it's not necessarily a task, but just something that God's laid on your heart to to pursue. And it may be impossible. You may say, Lord, we can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe you just need today to say, God, just like Moses, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. But I'm walking down the street, and I'm terrified, and I may could lose my life, or people may make fun of me, but God, I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to walk into Pharaoh's palace, and God, I'm going to say whatever you 
put on my heart to share. Maybe that's you this morning. Will you please bow as we pray?